Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 297 of the podcast. It's January 17th, 2018. My guest today is J.J. Villarreal, the superintendent of the Rockwall Independent School District here in the Dallas, Texas area. I was first introduced to J.J. by a former client of mine who has a child in the Rockwall schools. J.J. and my former healthcare client share a strong interest in lean, leadership, and culture. I enjoyed J.J.'s enthusiasm, hearing about the reading and learning he had done about lean, and it was great walking, if you will, the Gemba at a school with him to hear about how he wanted to make a difference. It was his first year as superintendent. He's now into his second school year there in Rockwall. So Dr. Villarreal, or Dr. V, as he's known in the district, holds a Doctor of Education in Educational Administration from Tarleton State University, a Master of Education in Educational Administration uh, from the same university, a Master of Education in Counseling and Human Development at Hardin-Simmons University, along with a Bachelor of Science from Hardin-Simmons University. So in the podcast today, JJ and I will talk about the applications of lean in education, how to move beyond what JJ calls the behavior waste of judgment and blame, and how visiting a factory was inspiring and helpful among other topics. So even if you don't work in education, I hope you'll be inspired by this podcast. If you'd like more information, links to uh, learn more about JJ and his bio, or to contact him, you can go to leanblog.org slash 297. JJ, hi. Thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. How are you? Doing great, Mark. Thanks for the opportunity to speak about uh, what we're doing. Yeah. And, you know, since this is the first time um, I've had a podcast guest from education, before we get into, you know, talking about lean, you know, be curious to hear a little bit about yourself and, and your role. You know, what's the career path working your way up toward being superintendent of a district? Sure, Mark. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a superintendent. I'm going on year two. Prior to that, I was five years as assistant superintendent. My background has ranged from all things curriculum and instruction to student services management, policy deployment, things of that nature. I was a high school principal. Um, I was an elementary principal. I'm a former English teacher. I was a 10-year football and baseball coach. And um, um, I think what led me to lean was I was I was um, in a little bit of a limbo in my dissertation and what I wanted to, to study. Um, there's a concept in education called the professional learning community um, that is that is widely spread in public education where teachers have an opportunity to meet together. Um, But the process um, was something that I had a problem with because it was missing. And I had a a, a physician by the name of Dr. Don Wesson, who's with uh, Baylor Scott and White. And Dr. Wesson introduced me to Jeffrey Likert's book, The Toyota Way Field Book. Mm, uh So Mm -hmm. after many a morning at a Starbucks and translating the work of business into public ed, um, I developed four variables. Uh, we created a, a survey and we looked at the quality of schools and did some metrics there. And uh, that was my my stage of, of beginning to to um, um, engage lean as a management tool um, in public education service. 
Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned the Toyota Wave Field book. That's a really, really nice book. Jeff Liker, who I've interviewed before, uh, David Meyer is his co-author. And in fact, later tonight on the day I'm recording this with you, I'm going to be recording a new podcast with David because he's, of all things now, uh, he's bought an old distillery in Kentucky that he's bringing back to life. So that's going to be our first first podcast about lean and uh, and bourbon. But that's uh, a book I really really highly recommend. Um, you used a phrase there, uh, policy deployment. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, sometimes people within lean management circles will talk about strategy deployment or Hoshan Conry or policy deployment as a synonym. Is there a different term in healthcare or do you mean the, did you mean the lean approach to policy deployment? Well, that, that's one thing about how we've used lean in, in public education, or at least in my management thinking. Um, when I trained with Pascal Dennis, I had the opportunity to go to a couple of his sessions. Um, and um, he, it was a really good metaphor when he says, he says some people play um, push wood and other people play chess. And it was his argument towards um, what we do on every month, every, every year, annually, what are our routines. And I found ourselves in education just going through these routines and not creating the value that we needed to create. And therein lies his comment to playing chess and being strategic in what we do. And I think I think seeing educators have an opportunity to learn to see in a different way um, changes their work and what they do to remedy and leverage some of the problems. Uh, I think the biggest thing in public ed for me was uh, eliminating the behavioral waste of judgment and blame, uh, because in our organization, you know, it, it's relational. It, it um, it's 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 human interaction, and uh, when you grow up with judgment and blame, it's hard to eliminate that in the process improvement. Um, um, and and you can't have continuous improvement without it. So that's been a major priority for us. So, so going back to your Hoshan, um, uh, your Hoshan Conry, your, your your True North, your strategic planning, um, we have it as a part of our process and what we do and when we do it, um, our, for for the sake of of let's say manufacturing terms and tack time, our time to deliver learning, uh, based and let's say we're using high stakes test or an SAT or an ACT or an AP test or an IB test, an baccalaureate test. You only have so many days to deliver, let's say, Algebra 1 instruction. And how long does it take for a student to learn Algebra 1? And so going in there and asking those right questions, going through the tool of five why things of that nature, uh-huh. it's given us the ability to grow and learn together. Um, and having, having an environment free of judgment and blame, I think, helps with that. Yeah, and I'd like to, well, let's come back to that topic of, of, of judgment and blame and uh, eliminating that uh, uh, well, well, well I took a note here. We'll come back to that topic. But boy, I mean, we started learning from from Pascal. He's another um, great, great source. I've learned a lot from Pascal. He's coincidentally also been a guest here on the podcast. Um, what was the uh, what was the time frame that you started um, learning from Pascal and, and doing some of this reading? <laughs> You know, that, I think I would say I'm in my seventh year of learning um, about lean. Um, my, my original learning was there was a fusion conference in Houston where one of the educational service centers was um, creating a business conference and translating business management thinking into public education. I heard a, a professor by the name of Dr. Shannon Flummerfelt. Um, she's uh, Dr. Lean, I think, is, is who she is. And 
and um, spent three hours with her at a TGI Fridays talking about Likert's work. Um, I got involved with Lean.org. I saw there was some training. Um, and uh, I think uh, the, the book that I read was Doing the Right Things. And um, saw Pascal was going to teach that. So, you know, um, that's where I learned the A3 process. That's where I learned the terms catch ball. And, and um, um, I did one training in lean last year. And at, at, the, at, at 3 o'clock, day two, the staff said, now that we, we finally see we've been doing everything wrong, what do we do now? And, mm. of, course, of course, I said, keep doing everything wrong until we get there together because you want to maintain harmony and flow. And so um, um, I, think, I think I would say four years ago, I've, I've, and I've trained with him twice. Yeah, so what you described there, you know, sort of teaching people about lean concepts, helping people see their work differently. I'm, I'm curious, you know, that comment, because I've heard similar reactions in, in healthcare when nurses or other uh, medical staff have that epiphany, um, saying something along the lines of, you know, we've been doing everything wrong. How, how emotional was that? I mean, I, I found in healthcare that um, it can be quite can create kind of a, a sense of shock where it's not that you're trying to make them feel bad as the coach or the trainer, but they sort of put that on themselves when they have these eye-opening moments, right? Yes, sir. You know, to give you context, that comment came after we went through a five-wide process and we created a, you know, we 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 did a VSM and we 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 value stream mapped out what we're asking a teacher to do in simply creating a weekly lesson plan, all the components, all the training, all the requirements for working with a student of special needs, working with a student with who's limited English proficient, working with students where they are academically and how are we going to extend students. And when they map that out on what they have asked teachers to do and all the staff developments they created, um, they found that it was way too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then the question was how much have the teachers been involved in designing the process? And that's where the communication has been limited. And so uh, now we're bringing in our staff to be a part of the development of what we do. Um, and we're creating a pretty much a smarter culture in, in how we 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 develop value uh, in the instructional processes. So I, I would just say that comment came for, from realizing we've asked them to do way too much mm-hmm. and we need to involve them more when we do create processes. Yeah. And I, and I also appreciate what you say there about, you know, that question of, you know, how much have the teachers been involved? Because, you know, one thing I think it's important to emphasize in, in healthcare is if there's waste, if there's overburden, if there's um, processes or value streams that haven't been well thought out, that that's not the fault of the people doing the work, that a lot of times they haven't been involved in that. Now involving them can be a big part of um, how we drive improvement, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, our, when you when you take the concept of respect for people, as I have learned it um, through some of this work, growing people to be smarter about their work. You know, Peter Sengay talked about the fifth discipline, um, and one of those five disciplines is personal mastery. When when folks really know their craft like the back of their hand, the confidence level, the ability to coach others, that just improves the organization as a whole. And so. We, we, we focus on valuing that and um, as, as we deliver smarter and smarter educators for our students. Kind of talking about, you know, motivations for lean, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you were doing your um, doctoral degree and you were doing research. But 
Um, I'm curious, you know, why Lean uh, uh, appeals to you as as a leader, as a superintendent. I mean, where I'm I'm curious, maybe what how, or how do you find the balance between different metrics that you're trying to affect uh, the 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 culture, maybe things that are harder to measure. I mean, what would you hope? To, what what are, what are you accomplishing or hoping to accomplish in terms of uh, results through this process? One of the challenges that we have in leadership development coming out of college is we we are um, we're provided with lots of pedagogy, lots of pedagogy about curriculum, lots of pedagogy about leadership, evaluation, appraisals, those kind of things. But you're not given the process of lean to understand how to implement those pieces. And um, consequently, you create waste in the organization because you spend time with with um, with uh, not managing a 50-50 doing and thinking um, kind of balance. And so Lean became that tool that says, um, principles, we're going to teach you the five-line process. And so we go into action learning and problem solving. Um, how do we create waste if we don't go through that process? Maybe we end up um, not having error in what we decided we wanted to do and we're dealing with that error. And uh, the, the better we are in being hard on ourselves with, with the total of 5Y or going through the actual scientific management of A3s um, to solve a problem, um, um, we just never had that training in public education. Mm-hmm. So that's what Lean has done for me as an educator and has allowed me to at least share some of these ideas with some of our teams. The other piece of that is I have a major problem with, um, you know, the, the, the um, with all due respect, the authoritative management style. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, being, a, being an employee from a, and working with authoritative leaders, I think it creates frustration. And I, I really believe people want to come to work in public education to make a difference every day. And it's it's the culture and, and how people were treated that that whittled away at that happiness. And so um, respect for people is a concept that, that um, I learned through the lean process and how to create that. Um, last year, uh, I spent three hours going to 20 campuses or 19 campuses speaking to all the teachers about, you know, three questions. What's great about your campus? If you could improve one thing, what would it be? And if you had three wishes, what would those three wishes be? And so you go through that process uh, with with uh, 19 campuses. You get a you get a pretty good SWOT analysis to give you some guidelines of what you think are the big hot topics. Having teachers be a part of that and then having them a part of the solutions, which we're doing year two, um, I think is is going to be be great for our students and it's going to be great for them as well. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think, I, I'm not sure if I answered your question, but but that's 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 kind of a thought there. Yeah, so I mean, so let's, I mean, let's just sort of, you know, maybe elaborate on that. So what I hear you saying is, you know, you're focusing a lot on uh, culture, um, teaching problem-solving skills that people haven't been exposed to, um, increasing happiness in the workplace. Do you do you expect then, or do you, what do you think the impact would be on things like um, you know students' educational process, uh, progress, um, teacher turnover rates? Um, I mean, are there certain kind of Key. Me- I, I don't really know exactly, other than you know, conceptually, what some of the metrics might be for uh, a school district. Well, I, th- I think the first metric is is a funding metric. When when you identify your problem specifically using some of the lean tools, um, and then you leverage solutions for that. A lot of them have to do with knowledge. 
Um, for example, um, let's say a student doesn't have a great educational experience um, and they move into being required to be a part of small group instruction to, to some, to, let me simplify, just say catch up on the academic area. Well, if we haven't taken time to, to look at how they were delivered instruction with the teacher before they went into small groups, there could be some error in that process. So we work together to try to find solutions um, in doing that. You know, Lean, Lean's biggest concept is taking responsibility, and and uh, we we look at we look at data analysis, um, we look at um, student performance rates, um, going to teacher retention. Our retention rates are, are lower than the state of Texas. We do look at that, um, and how we're going to retain our employees and and putting in processes for first year teachers. Retention at year two, that's a big year where teachers make that decision as well. Um, we use surveys. Surveys are a big part of, of analyzing whether or not we're accomplishing what we wanted to accomplish, whether it be curriculum and access to curriculum, instructional processes. Um, so learning to take the hits when we're not delivering what we need to deliver and that, mm -hmm. that problems are gold nuggets and opportunities for mm -hmm. improvement. Um, we, we capture that information from the employee themselves um, uh, because they're the ones spending 90% of the time with value, I guess, um, is a way to answer that. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, when you go and, and visit the schools, I'm, I'm curious, you know, those questions that you asked. I mean, when, what, what sort of uh, responses, what are some examples of the things teachers or staff would say when you ask them if you could improve one thing, what would it be? Do they tend to point out things that they can help correct or does it tend to be problems that someone else needs to fix? I think I think the biggest problem that teachers have is time. Uh, when you look at an instructional day, most, most districts are, you know, their time of work, of course they have planning time, grading time, things of that nature, but their time that they're with kids is about seven hours. Um, when you look at the seven hours and all that you ask teachers to do, let's say an elementary teacher is responsible for teaching math, science, social studies, reading and writing, um, those are five different processes that have processes there within. And when you take a, take a look at what we're asking folks to do within that seven hours, um, do we have the right process in place to make sure that students are achieving at these particular levels or students that have needs can achieve their goals as well. Um, really respecting that time is something that's been a focus for us. So when we talk to principals, uh, it, 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 they're kind of in phases. The, the first phase is in August. Um, you've received your data. You've, have you identified your problems and what do you think your problems were for the year? What did you accomplish and what worked? Um, what are, what are your, your three breakthrough initiatives or your two or your one, depending on what those might be? Um, as you look at your student performance, as you look at the needs of your campus through surveys. And then during the month of, I would say, September to November, you're, you're getting to know your kids and what those needs are. And then from November to February, you're, you're pretty much in, in the flow of delivering instruction in the classroom. Um, you've designed um, additional work for students that have academic need in small groups, whether that be in the classroom or out of the classroom, after school, before school. And then you have your intensive one-on-ones where you dedicate time for certain students to help them close their academic gaps. Because the state around, around March and April is going to provide some kind of 
testing and uh, we want to make sure they're prepared for that. So it, it, it's all a different, it, it's all dependent on the time of the year. What we also found is when we were, when we were designing professional development for teachers, we might've been designing that, that professional development at the wrong time um, to have a big major initiative, let's say an improving reading happen in the month of March prior to a high stakes test is not the best time mm. socially and culturally to do that. And are we are we respecting our teachers time when we do that? So we pretty much target when we're going to do things to make sure we we give those teachers the time they need um, with our students um, here. Yeah. Now, some of what you talked about there, you know, um, sounds like, you know, that policy deployment strategy deployment process of having some annual cycles of reflection and pointing that in the direction of problem solving and improvement. Can, can you talk a little bit more about, um, you know, either some of the, those, those cycles or, or how your management processes there at, in, in, in the district are, are different than you might see other in other districts? You know, I, I think a lot of districts value the data analysis. I think a lot of districts are pushing the collaborative team approach, the problem solving approach. I think the challenge you have is is some teachers got in are teachers to be teachers, but they're not necessarily administrators. And so when you put them in charge of a group of teachers and you're dealing with the dynamics of different personalities, different efforts, things and, and different capacities, um, navigating that in, in an efficient way, I think, is a challenge for a lot of those teachers. So that's why I think you have to be very specific in what you ask them to do during those collaborative times, or at least you coach your leaders on what they should be looking for. Um, but to give you a, a cycle, for example, uh, we have administrators that in the in the beginning of the year, we do a BOY meeting, beginning of the year meeting, where we review strategy and what the needs are so we can provide that support. Along about November to December, we do a middle of the year meeting. By then, the data has come in. By then, we've, we've, we have a quality control process where the district will do some form of mini assessment to see that, that uh, students are mastering the standards that we put in place to be mastered during that time, that window. And we use it really for formative assessment to, to see how our teachers are, are doing. You know, are the students buying your instruction? Are you, are, are they performing at a high level? And if they're not, what can we do to improve the process there? Or what is the actual problem? Yeah. Um, um, my first experience going to a manufacturing plant, I, I looked at cellular work and I took some instructional staff with me and and I, I learned how when things aren't working, the, the whole floor stops because you can't move the process through and create a defect in that process. Well, not that school is a manufacturing site at all. I mean, the knowledge is what we're trying to gain, the relationship, the leadership, soft skills. But if you, you know, a first grade is a cell, a second grade is a cell, third grade is a cell. And how do we eliminate error from going to the next grade level where you're constantly playing catch up over time? And how do we explore mm. what we do to make sure that there's no error? Well, that that's gonna have a lot of conversation in that. That's gonna have a lot of, um, when, I, when I first come into organizations, I, I try to tell them the value of collaboration and how silence kills and, and how trust needs to be a part of what we do and we're gonna eliminate behavioral waste um, of blame and judgment. But we've gotta know what you're actually doing to deliver this type of achievement. 
Because if it's not aligned totally, you're sending thousands and thousands of kids through the system that have not um, been given an opportunity to eliminate some of those gaps. So yeah. to, to give manufacturing analogy, um, that's that's kind of a, a thought there, but but definitely our, our students aren't products. The, the, you know how we deliver the knowledge and how our students want to buy that knowledge. You know we we see them as customers, and and the more we get to know them and identify their needs through uh -huh. assessments, through project-based learning, things of that nature, we want to be the coach that helps them know their gaps and then what they're going to do to improve those areas. And and that's a lot of focused work when you're a let's say a biology teacher responsible for 150 kids. Right, right. So it's um, interesting, you know, you're talking about going to a factory to learn and, and be inspired. One, one thing I hear you saying there is kind of seeing and appreciating this, this idea of stopping the line and uh, not passing on defects. I, I hate to use the term defect in terms of a, a student's progress, but, but stopping and, and correcting or addressing problems instead of just keeping the line going. You know, my mom was an elementary school teacher. Um, she's now retired, and and she would sometimes complain about the pressure to um, to to not hold students back, even if they you know from grade to grade, even if they weren't progressing. Which on some level seemed you know it seemed like it would compound the problem and lead to more frustration and more educational problems. Is is that one application of the idea of uh, you know not not passing a problem on? Absolutely. Now, and, and, and listen, there's mobility rates involved in public education. You're, you know, I may start with a student and they might leave me um, and I might receive another student during the year. So, you know, if they're internal in our district, let's say we have um, 14 elementaries, if you have inconsistencies in the curriculum and the instruction, uh, we want to make sure that that students at a school or receiving the same curriculum. Um, you know, the curriculum is the standard. The creativity comes in how you deliver the standard. And uh, we want our, our students to make sure that, that they're receiving the same standards that other students are across the district. Um, and, and even teachers are at different capacities. I know I'm an English teacher, so if I had to teach math, then and and depending on what it was, I I would need to make sure I I need a lot of training to make sure I'm delivering at a high level. So, taking all that into consideration, how do you how do you create that evenness in terms of knowledge and capacity across the district? And there are processes that we created to make sure that we 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 can at least see that and and try to do something to to leverage solutions for that. Yeah. Um, one thing I'd like to take a little bit deeper dive into, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times, really piqued my interest, this idea of the behavioral waste of judgment and blame. I mean, that's a, a great lean principle there around focusing on systems instead of blaming individuals. Um, can, can you maybe talk a little bit more about what you've done as the leader of the district, as the superintendent? How, how do you try to shift that culture? How do you get people asking five whys instead of asking who? Yeah, I, I, I mean, first first is you got to model it as a leader. I think you have to, uh, when a problem arises, you, you immediately go to the questioning, question process. What was it we were trying to accomplish to look at future state and what, what you wanted, current state, where are we at? Um, and then help folks give you the knowledge that's needed. If you practice that over time, um, I think that helps. Um, but the biggest thing is, is 
I consider harmony to be to be just like flow in an organization. And the flow for us is communication. And when that flow stops, then the learning stops. And we are by by what we do, we, we are relationship, we are communication, and that flow has to continue to happen. And when you get into a culture where you are judging and blaming and that flow stops, then all those little variations that can, can that could occur in an instructional process um, impact what a student is going to receive. Um, ultimately, they're our primary customers, and we want to make sure we're delivering high quality. And 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 I think I think harmony can never a disharmony can never be tolerated. So it's something that has to be corrected or discussed um, so it doesn't continue. Um, um, again, so, so communication is happening. Uh, we don't have a lot of time, um, when you look at a cycle that we have with students and so, um, value in that time and, and respect. So you're not getting into other issues that, that become waste, um, of that time, um, is something that you have to protect. And I think, again, harmony is our flow and we want to make sure we always protect that. Yeah, and I mean, you make a great point about leading by example. You know, I see, um, too many health systems, unfortunately, where lean is viewed as something that's delegated, um, you know, that that people, you know, employees go do projects and use tools. And there, there's not that same semblance of, of leading by example or modeling behaviors. And, you know, that that leads to uh, a different sort of frustration where sometimes uh, the walk doesn't match the talk from the executives. Um, so it's great to hear. You know, that you you have you seem to have that ownership of of the culture and and your role and and helping change it well, one of the things you can't do as a leader is is, is stay in your office and so um I've, I've shared this with our team you know what you say and and how we get out to the um maybe for a word that that folks might might relate to is the shop floor the classrooms where value is taking place, where learning is taking place, having conversations. I always celebrate when when I hear what's happening in an administrative office and actually seeing it actually happen on, you know, the shop floor, in the classroom. Um, that's when we have really good communication flow, which I think is a challenge for a lot of school districts um, when, when they're deploying something new in the organization. So, there's not a lot of time that we spend in the office here. Um, we we want to be on campuses. We want to be seeing processes in action and where we see gaps. We want to make sure that we're helping folks improve. And um, that that can only be done at the schools yeah. themselves. So, Well, I mean, it sounds like there's a parallel um, between your role and, uh, you know, a, a health system executive who's got multiple hospitals, multiple clinics. I mean, how many different schools and sites do you have in your district? Yeah, there, there are 20 schools along with a maintenance department um, and uh, an athletic uh, athletic facilities that, that uh, we have to manage. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I imagine that, that means a lot of time in the car and going from site to site. You have to schedule it, absolutely, and uh, get out there. But, you know, you can't get too far away from seeing seeing what's happening on a daily basis in, in, in schools. Um and um, I appreciate our leaders and, and how they've been open um, to learning together. Mm -hmm. I want to follow up a little bit also on, you know, I talked earlier about teaching the five whys. And, and I'm curious if, if you have uh, an example that 
kind of il you know kind of illustrates how that approach can be uh, helpful in an education setting. Are there any circumstances where you discovered um, you know maybe you know a, a, a cause, a root cause that people might not have um, suspected? Or I'm just curious you know, if you have some examples of that that process leading to some insight and improvement. Sure. Um, last year we uh, we worked with um, a consultant to work with our curriculum coordinators. We brought instructional coaches in and um, we asked them to unpack their vision and their mission of creating curriculum, establishing quality control, which would be your district assessments or your common assessments that you're gonna have, and then looking at how you deliver that through the instructional process. And so um, going through the five whys means you get in groups. Um, you you ask those questions as to to a math coordinator, I guess as an example, um, what is it that you're asking the teacher to do? What are the problems looking at the student achievement data? And does the actual process fit um, or leverage that problem to you know in, in this in that solution? And sometimes they do, or sometimes they're required you're required to have more questions. Um, one of the ways we practice, action learning will will actually say something like um, okay sit at your table uh, everybody speak you know the five at a table and um, who has the who has a problem and then you vote on who the number one problem is uh, then they vote on the problem and then they go through a kind of a, a reg revens uh, you get to ask one question about that particular problem I think the it, you know, sometimes teachers want to ask even more and they want to continue to go and, and own that. But um, it's hard for them. You ask one question and you build off of that next question. Then you go back and ask the problem owner, do they see what root cause is? And if they don't, you go back a second time around, a third time around until you get through that questioning cycle. And in the end, was the original problem the problem you thought it was? Usually the answer is no. Here's what I think the problem is. Here's what I think some of the possible solutions might be. So going through the practice of that action learning I th think has been very very helpful um, I'm, I'm curious uh, you know we talk about um, the, the the kids the students their learning their progress and and applying lean to to improve that are, are there any cases where you're directly teaching lean practices or principles to students at a particular grade level for them to let's say learn learn problem solving or uh, I'm, I'm curious about that yeah um, you know one of the things I've always wondered is how do you how, how, what would it look like in in creating a lean school um, if you did your staff would ha would would be trained in problem solving a3 thinking um, you know again most educators use a process called professional learning communities um, the A3 um, can be used multiple ways in doing that. Um, um, but our, I have a career, uh, I have an interest in career in technology education and and those courses that are happening in the workforce, how do you make them authentic to, what, to what's happening outside of the classroom? And I think there's a lot of value in teaching students how to A3 think. Um, I see hallways with A3s that are visual and posted on the walls. And as students and educators are walking by, they can actually see what, um, let's say, an introduction to engineering course students are working on and what solution they're trying to solve and how they went through the process of identifying their gap 
and uh, what they're going to do to leverage that gap and uh, when the deadline is for actual completion of that. Um, so, yeah, I think there's some application in A3 thinking for students. Um, we, we Most folks are familiar in education with project-based learning terminology, things like that. I think the A3, the hypothesis, the scientific management all fits. And so I, I would love to see our ninth graders go home and share an A3 with mom and dad one day. Is a is a A three an alternative to a detention if a kid has uh, gotten in trouble and try to help them correct that behavior instead of just punishing them? We'll walk through the five Y process on how you got to this point and and what does future state look like? That would be interesting, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you. Know, you mentioned um, you know the the vision of. A lean school and what that looks like. And in my book, Lean Hospitals, I, I've tried to at least take a, a bit of a stab at you know writing a chapter on uh, the vision of a lean hospital, what that would look like and feel like for different stakeholders. Um, is that something you've done? Any? I guess I'm making a suggestion here. Is that something that you've uh, written up and, and shared with other educators and in, in terms of creating that vision? Lean, lean, lean in education and the body of work that's out there in the area of lean education. I think it's 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 in an experimental time. Um, I think that I know I've learned more people that are that are interested in learning more about lean across the nation, but it, it's very 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 new. Um, so so as a potential model, a campus staff would value strategy development, would value process and being consistent with process would decide on what the quality metrics would that would be used in order to make sure that that we are doing what we said we're going to do and where do we have to adjust um and and then when as problems occur during the school year i just think those going in and out of those being transparent on on um the data i i think all that would help help uh, eliminate error to go back to the cellular work conversation that we had. Um, we have a process that, that, that we refer to as a data walk. And um, when you walk into a classroom, you're, you're gonna see the, the objective that they're learning. You're gonna listen to the instruction and listen to alignment of, of teaching that objective. You're gonna go to the ask the student what you're learning today. And the students should be able to articulate generally what they're learning today. Are the students engaged? Are the students compliant? Things of that nature. How are the students learning? What are the instructional strategies um, that'll bring high level learning to, to students? Um, and if you're missing some of those instructional strategies, you're not seeing a pattern or a culture in a, in a campus of using high level, high yield strategies, then that's where you can use that data to create your staff development plan to leverage some of those. Um, all those mm -hmm. are part of something that would be in a lean school in my vision. Yeah. Well, and, and, and considering your background as a English teacher and, and there's some, you know, uh, cutting edge work that you're doing here, maybe there's a book in your uh, book inside of you at some point in the future. I hope so, sir. You know, the, the difficulty is time, but that's something that I've always wanted do I, I so enjoy how folks put their their thoughts together to help us all improve absolutely yeah um so you know as we start to wrap up here you know you mentioned earlier going to um a factory um i'm i'm going next week uh, the week after we're recording this 
with uh, a group from Kinexus, you know, software company I'm involved in. And, you know, we're going a group of 15 of us to go and learn and see um, kind of, you know, for a number of reasons, one of which thinking about, you know, continuing the thought of how do we apply lean principles within a technology company. We, we focused a lot on, as, as you put it, the behavioral waste of judgment and blame, you know, trying to make sure that that never becomes a part of um, our culture. Um, I'm, I'm curious, have, have you taken that trip down to San Antonio? Maybe, you know, maybe that's something, maybe this is another suggestion more than a question. Maybe we can do that uh, together sometime. Yeah, I'd love to have an, an opportunity to do that and, and to learn more about TPS and its implementation. And as a practitioner, um, as a superintendent in public education, how I could help translate that work that would uh, create a model to benefit other administrators one day. I'd, you know, I'd love to be a part of that development. But no, I have not had a chance to go to San Antonio. I know Toyota's close to us now in Plano and and uh, looking forward to building some relationships there possibly be you know one of the first districts to be trained and in, in the in the Toyota way and translate that into public education I just think there's some areas for improvement where we can bring you know greater quality and greater happiness to everybody you know going yeah. speaking to the respect for humanity and the time you don't get back that that you read so much in, in Toyota's work so yeah, well, and that's very well said the way you put that. And you know, we've we've already touched on it here in the podcast. You know, the 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 obvious statements that uh, you know we hear the parallels we hear people say patients aren't cars, well, students aren't cars, and a school is not an assembly line. But when when we look at things uh, that are conceptual around uh, improvement and uh, teamwork and um, changing the culture. I mean, I, I think you, know, you and I, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners here are in agreement that there there are parallels when we bring it back to uh, the human level instead of the technical level. And uh, it's great that you're exploring that. It's great that you mentioned you know Toyota, you know the North American headquarters in the area here in Plano. Um, yeah, it would be great. You know, there if if their TSSC group. Um, could could do some work with you potentially the way they've done with some local hospitals um, here in the DFW area. So um, hopefully something like that happens and we can do another podcast in the future to talk about that. I look forward to that, Mark, and appreciate your work and enjoy learning from you as well. And and um, um, want to continue to make a difference for our students, of course, and 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 our staff as well. I I, I just I enjoy it so much. Yeah. So as, as we wrap up here, I mean, uh, I'll put you on the spot and say, let's say if you, know, if you were talking to a room full of fellow superintendents, what, what would be your elevator speech, if you will, um, you know, about why they should, um, why, how would you invite them to learn about lean? I, I would say that um, building capacity of your employees is is one of the number one things that you can do with some of the lean processes. Um, I would say um, consider what you're already doing and is it adding value and if it's not, um, how is it impacting your employees? Are your students receiving high quality? Um, therein lies the opportunities for strategy deployment therein lies the opportunities for collaboration and how you do that. Therein lies looking at waste as a tool and um, I think in education what you won't do and decide you won't do and, and how it's not adding value 
uh, can bring even greater happiness to your employees and putting those processes in place with the employees. I think when you're considering that, you step back from being the the leader that feels like they need to make a, um, a decision on what needs to be done to the facilitator and the coach of, of putting in the perfect process, the perfect solution to problems. Um, I, I think, I think lean can give you some of the, some ideas on how to do that. Well, great. Well, that's, that's well said. Thank you, JJ, for, um, for, for sharing that. I'm sure this will end up inspiring others and, and thank you for, um, you know, sharing what you're doing here. I, I really enjoyed um, having the chance to come meet you and, and go walk the school with you last year. And uh, definitely want to keep in touch about your progress and, and maybe come visit again sometime soon. Yes, so, sir. You're uh, always welcome, sir. Yes, sir. So our, our, our guest again here today has been JJ Villarreal. He is the superintendent of the Rockwall ISD here in Texas. JJ, if anyone wants to, um, you know, reach out, um, and, and, and talk to you about what you're doing, um, do, would you be willing to share an email address or how, how do you suggest people uh, get in touch? Sure, Rockwell ISD has a website that you can have access to um, and find a link to with my email if, if anybody would like to reach out to me. Okay, well, JJ, thank you um, so much for um, sharing with us here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.